the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thursday. And for many of us, this is our last day of work this week because uh, Saturday is the 4th of July and most businesses uh, that give uh, their workers the 4th as a holiday give Friday as a day off. So uh, we'll do the show today and then uh, best of show tomorrow. Uh, we got a couple hours with uh, Robert Steinbach and Chris Corbett and then we'll finish uh, tomorrow's show off with a special uh, about uh, the 4th of July. I'm not sure what they're covering uh, tomorrow. Do you know, Heidi, what the special is going to be about? Um, it's with Jerry Stewart, so I'm sure it's going to be something very patriotic and very cool. Yeah, so we look forward forward to that. You know, John Adams, uh, back after uh, the Constitution uh, was uh, you know brought into being and after we'd fought and won our independence, said that... Uh, the 4th of July should be celebrated with parties and with fireworks and with speeches and with uh, music. So we do a pretty good job of, of carrying it on the way it was supposed to. I'll be carrying it on with my family here at my house on Saturday. Going to have brats and things of that nature. The pool will be open. The kids will be, the grandkids will be in it having a great time. And uh, I'm looking forward to the 4th of July. It's always a fun time uh, in my household. What about you, Jr.? What are you doing on Saturday? Anything? Yeah, well, it depends on the weather, but hopefully uh, we're going to the lake for a little bit. So, oh, there you go. Which, yeah. Now, which which yeah, lake? Washita. Washita. Okay. So, see, yeah. see, where I live at, people when you say they're going to the lake, they're going to Heber Springs. Yeah, yeah. We're you were you know I don't think it's talked about a whole lot. We're pretty blessed in the state to have so many nice places to go on the weekends as far as lakes go. But yeah, Washita. Uh, yeah, Hewer Springs. I mean, they're all over. I mean, Bull Shoals up there in Northwest. I mean, it's just it's a uh, beautiful state full of a lot of lakes. So if the weather will cooperate, it'll be a pretty nice weekend. Yep, so. I would think so. Going to be, a, you know, you get together with your friends. I don't know about you, but most of my friends are kind of politically minded. They like to talk about politics. Uh, May not agree with me, may agree with me, um, may, uh, you know, have some impassioned uh, discussions. But I do know one thing that will be talked about today, and that is that Leslie Rutledge, the attorney general, you know, AG in Arkansas means almost governor. And uh, 
They, they all run. They all run for governor, it seems like to me. And uh, the bottom line is that uh, she uh, has announced yesterday that she will pursue the governorship of uh, Arkansas. Big story. It is a big story. Uh, we've got Tim Griffin, who's already announced. Leslie Rutledge, she was officially announced. So, you know, and we're talking, we're right in the middle of uh, 2020 right now, Dave. I know. haven't had the 2020 election yet. So, um, so it just, I think it speaks volumes to number one, um, uh, the kind of the state of the Republican party. Uh, we're, we're going to have, uh, a lot of great choices for 2022. Um, and, and the strength of the party has never been stronger. Uh, and so I think, you know, and primaries are good for the party. So there, there's going to be choices out there. Uh, and we're starting to see, uh, uh, and already, I know it's just two, but I think you can, I think I can confidently say an already pri- uh, crowded primary uh, for governor. I don't think they're going to be the last to, to throw their hat into the ring. Yeah, well, I wanted to talk to you about that because I had heard for quite some time that Leslie was not going to run unless Sarah Sanders Huckabee decided she didn't want to run. Do you think this is an indication that? that Sarah has decided maybe she doesn't want to be uh, governor of Arkansas or that she's young enough that she doesn't have to run right now to be uh, governor? I mean, let's let's be honest. Uh, she's a pretty hot ticket on the speech circuit and on the, uh, uh, the circuit for uh, cable television. I'm sure she's going to earn a six-figure income fairly easily. Why take on a job that's 24-7? when you can uh, do some speeches and you can appear on TV and pontificate for uh, 10 minutes and then uh, get off the air and go do something else and, and make the kind of money you can make. I mean, I think you laid it out there uh, <laughs> pretty clearly. I think she's got a lot of choices. You know, I, I don't know, uh, Sarah, I, I don't know what the relationship is with, with Leslie. I mean, you know, you, you know, they're good friends. I can tell you, right. They're good yeah, friends. Yeah. I mean, and uh, and so you know, I think Leslie is very serious, and um, this is something she's always. Uh, I mean, I think that you know, I think this is something I say always is that she's focused on. Uh, she's in it. Um, as far as Sarah goes, you know, I, I don't know what her plans are, but I think what she just said was was uh, you know accurate. I mean, she just got so many different choices right now. I mean, does she want to continue? You know, she's got small kids. Does she want to be with her kids? Yeah, do they. Um, and, and, and look, let's not, you know, let's not skirt around it here. I mean, you know, the press secretary for, uh, any president, but let alone Donald Trump, I mean, that, that's a, that's a, that's an exhausting job. And I mean, I, and I mean, literally just the time wise, the hours, you know, all that sort of stuff, defending the president, it's a lot of hours she put into that job. And so I know partly she's probably, you know, it's probably nice to, uh, uh, to have some of that time back. So again, you know, I, I don't know Sarah. Yeah, I know that Leslie and uh, and Sarah are, are close, but I, I don't know what she's thinking. Um, I know that she's really been focusing on the uh, uh, that that thirty day um, uh, fund for Arkansas, you know, to help folks get back on their feet. I think that's where a lot of people's minds are right now. Um, but uh, I don't know. It's going to be. I'll tell you this, Dave. It's going to be a very very interesting next six to nine months, especially after we get out of the uh, uh, 2021 general session. I mean, because, look, if you look at it this way, if, if uh, Sarah doesn't decide 
uh, to run, uh, or if she does decide not to run, um, I think that opens the doors for other people to think that they yep. should get to the race. So I just yep. think, look, the next six to nine months is going to be pivotal in, in shaping what that Republican primary looks like. But I go back to it. We're going to have a lot of great choices. To, to Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin is a, is a great choice. Attorney General Leslie Rutledge is a great choice. I mean, we, we went from having uh, no bench uh, Dave, as you remember, uh, for statewide office holders in Arkansas, no bench at all in the Republican Party to a very deep one now. How many years volumes. ago? How many years ago was it? Was it uh, Scott, right, that ran against BB? And they had to. Uh, they had, yeah, Keith. Uh, in, yeah, they, in 2010. Think about that for a moment. Uh, they yeah. had to literally go out and. I'll be honest, uh, if I remember correctly, they were kind of begging him to run because nobody else basically wanted to run. Yeah, this is less than 10 years ago. I mean, we're coming up on basically the, the 10th anniversary uh, in November. Yep. And so, I mean, the it's still, I mean, look, you know, people say it and we kind of go about our, our daily lives, but it, it really is phenomenal to see how the party in Arkansas has advanced uh, just in you know, uh, a short amount of time. And, and so less than 10 years ago, you had, you know, a party that, that couldn't seem to find uh, candidates to run, you know. And, and even, look, if you go back 2000, uh, uh, 2010, we went from basically one member of uh, our delegation being a Republican, you know, John Bozeman in the 3rd District, that's right. In 2010, we went from one to, you know, four out of the six were Republicans. And so you started seeing this wave really starting in 2010. And then in, in 12, we saw more seats in the legislature. Uh, and then 14 was sort of the capstone where, you know, we took everything. And so just really in about three election cycles, uh, things changed dramatically here in the state of Arkansas. And now we're looking at, you know, elections in 2022. Dave, we've gone from basically like forcing people to run for office to now having two announced and formidable candidates two years away from the election. Yeah. Well, let me, uh, let me, and, let me name so a third one. For you. Let me throw, let me throw a third one out there. Cause I hear he's going to run and that's uh, uh state Senator Hendren. I'm hearing he's going to throw his hat in here shortly. And hey, we'll see. I mean, I, I, you know, like I said, I really I don't know who who's going to decide at the end of the day, you know, uh, concretely whether or not they're going to run. You know, I know that uh, Senator Hendren has, uh, you know, I thought he, he, he did a tremendous job as pro tem uh, in the Senate. Uh, I think he's got a lot of those relationships uh, that you need to have in order to be an effective pro tem. Um, and then, you know, of course, you, you've got. Uh, the hate crime legislation that I know he's focused on. And so, look, you know, of course, and he's also a businessman, you know, a very successful businessman. So it's, it's uh, again, I think a lot of these candidates have options. And, and Dave, you know this better than anybody else. It, it's, a, it's a big decision to decide to run for any statewide office, let alone yep. governor. Well, um, it's, it's expensive, you're, you're, too. It's yes, it's very expensive. So, and and that'll be interesting too to see where all of this money comes from because uh, you've got, um, you know, I think you've got, yeah, at least the two. We'll just talk about the two announced candidates in this race. You know, respected candidates, 
uh, good resumes. Uh, I mean, just very formidable candidates, good candidates. When you start adding more individuals uh, into the primary, you wonder kind of, you know, who captures which faction uh, of support within Arkansas, and I mean financial support. Uh, and, and so it's going to be very interesting in, in that way, because even in the past, when you've had Republican primaries, you've really had a favorite, right? And and so it, there was never a whole lot of, uh, I mean, my, in, in recent past, there wasn't a whole lot of, uh, 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 you know, jockeying for position, if you will, sort of the, the favorite pick, and, and that was it. I think now you're just going to have several candidates that have, you know, uh, you know, I mean, they're all they're all kind of favorites, if you if you will. You know what I mean? They're all kind I, of the, the I know. All, you can you can figure out a way for every one of them to win, and that's what's yeah. so interesting about this race. And I think that's why it's it's uh, impressive to see where we are as a Republican Party now with with so many different choices. Well, let's uh, let's come back and talk a little bit about money, and let's talk about the other constitutional offices because all of them are going to have to turn over uh, in 22. That's right. They're all going to have to turn over. So who's going to be running for what? We'll talk about that as well. It's J.R. Davis from the Gilmore Group with me, Dave Ellswick, here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. we got to get a break in. Let's do that, and we'll give you your traffic and your weather as well. Yep, I'm back. I'm here. I haven't left. I'm sitting in my dining room today doing the show. So if you're watching on Facebook and you're wondering where'd everybody go, the, uh, you know, um, you know, we all haven't gone to heaven. Uh, we are, you know, we're all uh, we're all at our, our own home places. I'm doing it today because I got some important things that I, I got to do here a little later on today. And it's better to, to leave from my my home base and to drive all the way into Little Rock and then drive all the way home again and and then get ready to go and do everything that I got to do this afternoon. Uh, J.R. Davis is my guest as he is every uh, Thursday morning at 6 a.m. He gets himself out of bed and we appreciate it, has some coffee and joins me on the air. We've been talking about uh, the word came out yesterday that it's official now that Leslie Rutledge, the attorney general, has decided that she will run for the governorship of Arkansas in 2022. Already we know that the lieutenant governor, uh, Tim Griffin, is running. And there's some other names that are, you know, stage right right now that haven't announced their intentions. But. JR and I both are tied close enough to politics in the state uh, that we know uh, some of the names that are being uh, also out there, people who are considering about running for different, uh, you know, different offices. And uh, the big name out there that everybody is wanting to know what she is going to do is, is of course, Sarah Sanders. Uh, is she going to run or isn't she? And something tells me she may not run just because of this decision that Leslie has made. And I think Leslie waited until she knew what what Sarah was going to do because they're just such great friends, and I don't think they wanted to run against uh, each, each other. But we were talking uh, when we left, uh, Jr. about money because, um, as I say all the time, uh, money is the mother's milk of politics. You gotta, ha- you don't want to have to go out and raise as much money as you can, uh, but but you have to if you really want to run a successful campaign. And and what would you say? Three million dollars, maybe. 
uh, to uh, to run a, a successful gubernatorial campaign here in the state of Arkansas? Well, well, I mean, I think that it just depends on what your definition of successful is. If it's, if it's Winning. Uh, a competitive, <laughs> well, yeah. In, in this case, I think it's going to have to be a lot more than three million. Okay. If you go back to two thousand. You go back to two thousand fourteen. Uh, you know, when Governor Hutchinson was running against then Congressman Mike Ross, or I guess former Congressman Mike Ross, right. uh, Ross raised about $6 million uh, and lost. And, and the governor raised just over, I think, $3.5 million. Um, but it was, you know, a well-run campaign. It was a, you know, tight ship from the budget standpoint. And that was a general election when the tides were kind of turning for Republicans, and we saw what happened in 2014. That was three and a half million dollars in 2014. This is going to be. This is we're going to probably see. Yeah, I feel very confident in saying this. You're going to see more money raised in the Republican primary for governor than we've ever seen in the state. Uh, it's going to be so much money, and I think a big part of look. I think uh, uh, you know Tim Griffin and Leslie can certainly raise the money. Uh, I think if someone like. Sarah were to get into the race. She's oh, my God, Sarah could definitely money. raise the money. I think uh, Senator Hendren, uh, you know, he has a lot of the money, uh, and, and, I, and I think he can raise it as well with his connections. I mean, so, and that's just, well, that, those are just the names that people are talking about now, right? Two have announced. There's rumored two others. Uh, but this is going to be, I think, I mean, I think every candidate will be well over that $3 million mark. It's going to be wow. a lot of money. That's going to be crazy. Maybe more and, money spent in the primary than is is spent in the general election. I think so. I think so for sure. I mean, also you got to remember, Democrats have to try to find someone to run, uh, and you know that's <laughs> again that's what we're that's what's so interesting here. And Dave, I told Dave this during the break, but literally before uh, 2010, before the 2010 election, every uh, constitutional office holder. The seven statewide constitutional officers were all Democrats. Ten years yeah. later, they're all Republicans. And in yeah. two thousand, uh, uh, in two thousand ten, the Republicans actually won every seat that they ran for. Uh, and so we didn't have enough to run against all the other uh, incumbents, except for you know Governor Beebe, who did win 2010. But when you have you know Mark Dar, Mark Martin, John Thurston, they ran, they won, and then in 2014 you saw that that change. You know now we're talking about uh, uh, a Republican Party that you know the biggest part of the election fight is going to be in the primary, and and yeah. now you know we're saying we didn't have a bench, now we do. And, you know, it's kind of flip-flop because the Democrats used to have a bench and, and now they don't. And so it's going to be very tough for them to try to find um, any sort of earned media, Dave, and quite frankly, paid media uh, during the primary season. There will be multiple Democrats, I'm sure, that probably run maybe two or, you know, whatever. Maybe there's not. Maybe there's just one. But it's going to be very, very tough to cut through all the coverage on the Republican side, because that's where the party is going to be. And that's where the attention is going to be and the focus. And so um, this is just going to be a, uh, it's just, it's going to be a very exciting uh, 2022. And I think really the lead up to 2022, we've got a lot of time before then, but uh, a lot's happening already. All right. So when we come back, we've talked about the governor's race, but every constitutional office 
they're all leaving except for John at the Secretary of State because he was elected last uh, election for Secretary of State. So, uh, mm-hmm. so that would mean land commissioner uh, is not up either. Uh, you, you still have a, a, a Republican, Tom, uh, Tommy, right, that's over there. So he could be holding on to that position and get reelected. But all the other ones are up for grabs. So let's talk about that. And then uh, let's let's talk about what that means for the state of Arkansas. And Doyle Webb leaves at the end of this year. Who's going to lead the party at that time? Let's talk about that as well. But right now, let's talk about what's happening around the nation. It's time for the news. Let's get to it right now. Well, I'm going to tell you what, you should have been with us during the break <laughs> listening to Jay and I, and I talk because there is so much happening now. We're starting to get close to that pivotal time when politics will really mean something to people again. Right now, all I keep telling people about this, Jr. You tell me, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but I say that I don't believe the uh, the polling right now because the majority of Americans haven't even really engaged in, uh, in what's going on politically here in the United States. And uh, this, all these polls showing Trump losing by 12 points and stuff, it ain't going to happen. I'm just telling everybody it ain't going to happen. I, I look at a, a Democratic Party that has backed these protests and couldn't even say bad things about the, the protesters that were burning the cities down. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, lefty, lefties that are, are, uh, are saying that if you go out and have a Fourth of July celebration on Mount Rushmore, it's because of white supremacy. Uh, they wrap their arms about around Black Lives Matter. There's one thing to, to say you're not a racist and that you believe in equality. It's totally a different thing to say that you you believe in what a Marxist group says uh, that uh, says that the American family should be dissolved and you align yourself with them. I'm just telling you, the American people are not like that at all. At least the American people I see and, 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 and that I hear, uh, I just think there's going to be they're making huge mistakes. What do you think? No, I agree. I mean, we kind of talked about this during the break a little bit that I think that um, the Democrats, I just never understood this, Dave. I think that nobody takes wins away from the Democrats like the Democrats do. Uh, and, and I say that to say, look. You know, I think anybody who is, you know, unbiased and looking at the last 60 days or so, they haven't been great for the president. Uh, the economy was, you know, or we've gone through this COVID situation, the protests, um, you know, uh, hoping to bounce back with the economy and, and, you know, things have opened up maybe a little too quickly. We're having to pull back. Uh, there's just, there's, and then there's been some other things obviously on top of that. So it hasn't been a great 60 days for the president. You know, you had this call, you know, this sort of coalition and, and, or this coalescing uh, around Joe Biden. Then he went silent and then he's come back out and their whole message was anybody but Trump, which it seems on the left and maybe some independents just don't like the man for whatever reason. Uh, for for a number of reasons, and and so the message should have been anybody but Trump. But the Democrats can't help themselves; they have to continue 
to to you know go all politically correct and be overly sensitive to everything that happens uh and then they end up losing any sort of support that they would have had now i still think that and i think i'm a little opposite from you i do think the president is in trouble uh i think that uh you know i agree that people probably aren't paying particularly close attention right now uh, because of everything else that's happened in 2020, um, which is a good thing for the president. But but I, I do think that he is in trouble. I just don't think the Democrats know what to do when given an opportunity, because like you said before, they just weigh into every single controversial thing and seemingly take sort of the, the opposite approach to what the general electric feels. Um, and so I don't know, it's, it's crazy to me, but you're right. The Mount Rushmore thing is, is, you know, ridiculous, uh, being unable to, uh, condemn those who are setting buildings on fire, uh, and praise those who are out there protesting for a reason that have a real message. I mean, yeah, and, just get, this, and they're this, all, they're all behind this defund the police stuff. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's, Democrats become quickly paralyzed, Dave, like they can't, they can't lead they can't uh you know uh have an original thought because they have you know the mobs that basically you know control them uh and and so there's no sort of freedom of thought there it's just an immediate knee-jerk reaction uh and i kind of go back to the fact that you know you remember the press conference with nancy pelosi and chuck schumer where they're they're doing something in remembrance of uh george floyd but they couldn't remember the guy's name yeah. Uh, and and so I mean I laugh just because you know I mean didn't, that's just didn't one a, of them call him George jerk. didn't they call him George Kirby at one time the comedian something yeah it was <laughs> yes they they literally were like searching for for the words but that, and that's what I mean it's just a knee jerk reaction uh, and it's not well thought out it's just this sort of mob mentality that that kind of drives Democrats and that's what we're seeing right now I mean yeah. uh I, again, I mean, I, I think the president's in trouble, but at least he's running against the Democrats because there is a good <laughs> chance in the next four months that they're going to shoot themselves in the foot because they just can't get out of their own way. They're going. They're you, you, what you're saying is they're going to do. They're going to do what the Republicans used to do. They're going to. They're going to draw uh, defeat from the jaws of victory. That's exactly right. Now, I have a feeling that that's uh, it could happen. Uh, you know, again, I think. Look, I don't know that there's anybody listening right now, Dave, or, you know, neither you nor I know exactly what 2020 is going to uh, hold for the next six months because this has been the weirdest year on record. Uh, at least it feels like it. So who knows what's going to happen? I mean, we've had an impeachment. Uh, we've had a, a global pandemic that shut down the world. We've had protests that reached every single state with you know, millions marching and, and you had the, the destruction on the side of it. And, I mean, uh, I mean, and oh, look, you got the murder hornets and you got the Saharan dust storm that, that comes into the United States. I mean, just some <laughs> weird, weird stuff. So this is 2020, very apocalyptic. We'll see what happens in the next six months. Okay, so let me bring this up to you. I want to talk national politics for one more yep. moment. And that is, I believe that the president began to have a little bit of problem with the narrative coming out of the White House because after Sarah Sanders left, they got the wrong people in there as the president's spokesman. They now have Kaylee McEnany, and she is fantastic. She's doing the job the way it's supposed to be done in a Trump administration. 
that other woman they got in there to start off with uh, was she wasn't doing anything. She wasn't holding any, you know, conferences or anything. Yeah, I forget what her name was, but she wasn't she wasn't ready for. Yeah, yeah, she wasn't ready for prime time. There's no doubt about that. Kaylee has been. Yeah, you're exactly right. I think it was a. uh, uh, It's good that the president has, you know, gotten uh, sort of the the right pieces back before, you know. Yeah, uh, and he he went out and got Mark Meadows. That was another great addition. Yeah, so it's going to be, I mean, look, the problem with what would scare me, Dave, we're just talking, look, uh, just. unbiased and objective thought here, what you read, the president has the money. His campaign has the money. They have a Oh my God. Yes. The problem is right now, and maybe it goes back to what you're saying where people aren't really paying attention, but they're spending that money and it's not moving the needle. And that would be what would scare me uh, as a campaign manager that, uh, or even just part of the campaign that you're spending this money. It's targeted. You were trying to do everything you you can to move that needle. And when you spend that much money, it should move the needle. Um, and they're not seeing that right now. Now, look, granted, there's been a lot going on. Uh, I think people are in some ways are trying to check out a little bit before they have to go back to real life. Uh, just because of everything that has happened, we're in right in the middle of summer. So all that could change when people start paying closer attention. Um, but that, to me, would be uh, the single biggest red flag right now if I'm looking at the campaign. Got a lot of time left. We, we, we're not even yeah. within 100 days of the campaign yet. We're still, what, no, still in the 120s, man. We we got plenty of time. Hey, I know. You look at every, every single uh, race for president. I mean, I'm even talking about where – uh, you know, 1996 when Dole challenged Clinton, you know, I think it was always sort of, you know, Clinton in that race, but, but even, and, you know, when you, you have that sort of post convention boost, uh, yep. the numbers change, you got closer. I mean, and, you know, look, and, and then I think HW Bush is probably one of the best examples, uh, of, of a year, year and a half went from, you know, what two years out was in the high nineties of approval ratings, uh, and ends up, you know, losing. And so I think a lot can change. A year in politics is an eternity. There's plenty of time left. Uh, but I do believe the the Trump campaign, they got to they gotta figure out something different uh, and where they need to spend their money and what their message is, because right now I don't think we're seeing it move the numbers. But, again, a lot can happen between now and then. All right, quarter till 7. Time for us to get a final break for this 6 o'clock hour in we still got a lot to talk about, and we haven't even scratched the surfaces of other races uh, on the constitutional side. When we come back, let's talk about Lieutenant Governor, because that's going to be a real contentious race as well. We'll talk about it when we continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. News and weather right now on 101.1 FM. All right, back with you and uh, my guest, J.R. Davis from the Gilmore Group. Good to have him with us today. Uh, Just a very quick uh, aside here, uh, J.R., and the stock market is up right now before it opens by well over 200 points, and that's because word is on the street that 3.1 million jobs were probably added in June even though uh, the economy is just barely 
getting open again, and that is huge news, especially huge news for the president. Yep, that's exactly what we just talked about. It. It's a year in politics is an eternity. I think the next four months is going to feel like an eternity. Uh, and this is the kind of stuff he needs to have happen. Um, he, he's going to live and die on the economy. And if yeah, the economy and that's is true. Still, yeah, and if the economy is still in, in a bad place come November, that's when I think it's pretty much, you know, it's pretty much over for the president. So he's got to have the economy come back, uh, and that's a good sign. All right. With that said, you brought up something during the break because I don't want to think people uh, people think that I thought about this because I had totally forgotten about it. But you were right when you brought it up to me. And that is there was a court case that happened here in the not too distant past where uh, these uh, candidates couldn't get out and raise money for, uh, you know, running for different offices they had to wait to a certain time before they could start doing it it was very much close to the election uh the state supreme court found that unconstitutional and now they can get out and raise the money you believe that may be why leslie rutledge now has already come out and said that she's going to run yeah well you know i think it could be part of it for sure you're going into a, another reporting period uh look this is the rule. I mean, and look, Tim Griffin was, he's, he kind of led the charge on this, you know, but this was a, this was a uh, law that voters passed in 1996 as part of the campaign finance, uh, you know, uh, deal. And, and so, you know, the eighth circuit, and this was back in January, uh, upheld an injunction that was uh, put in place by uh, U.S. uh, uh excuse me, uh, U.S. District Judge uh, Moody, I believe. And and so that basically said, you know, the law said you couldn't raise money, you know, two years, you know, outside of two years before an election. Uh, and, and they came back and said, that's unconstitutional. Go ahead and, you know, raise the money, uh, jump yeah. into the race. And so that, to me, is what I believe has dictated some of these early entrances, because again, we go back to what we talked about earlier today. This is going to be an expensive primary. It's going to be about who has the money. I mean, if, if, if let's say if, uh, you know, Tim Griffin comes out and announces that he's pulled in, you know, a million dollars, uh, you know, so far, uh, we have not even gotten to the November, 2020 election yet. Uh, and, and I think that we're going to see that across the board with these candidates. And so it's going to be a lot of money raised, a lot of money spent. Uh, if you are a uh, if you are in your business, Dave, uh, and, and on TV, it's going to be a very lucrative 2022 for you. Uh, yeah, let me just say waves will be full. Let me just say that, uh, you know, uh, 101.1 FM, uh, the answer has plenty of time available. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, listen, you know what? It might even be where, you, I mean, you know, I don't know what's going to happen in 2022, because I think for the most part, at least here in Arkansas, this is sort of unprecedented. And I mean, you know, and, and I don't even mean, look, we've had, the you know, the McClellan and Fulbright and, and bumpers and, and those types of races before where you've had some formidable opponents going at each other. I mean, unprecedented because not only do we have the formidable opponents, but you're going to have millions upon millions upon millions of dollars in all of these campaigns. So what's the strategy here, right? Do yeah. you do you start spending money early? Do you start doing it in quarters? You know, maybe you start spending some, you know, maybe you're up on the air 
a year out, just sort of an introduction of yourself. And I think you're already kind of seeing that uh, with both Tim Griffin and Leslie Rutledge, uh, where you've already seen some sort of, you know, again, I know it's, it's, you know, uh, uh, one is from sort of a pack with Griffin. The other one is, you know, talking about the official side, which should happen with, with Leslie Rutledge. Um, but I think what you're seeing is, is um, the effort to, uh, you know, to, for the voters to get to know them now. And I think Name once the campaigns are in, yeah, when the campaigns are in full gear, uh, you know, I think you're going to start seeing campaigns spend money early. So, yes, uh, Dave, I think it's going to be a good couple of years for uh, 101. Yeah, it <laughs> might be. Answer, I'm and sure a lot hope of the so. other broadcasting groups. So. Well, if you're trying to reach conservative uh, voters, it's a station That's to right. be on. There's no doubt about that. All right. With all that said, let's go back and touch base on a couple of other races, uh, primaries especially in the Republican uh, field. And, and that would be uh, four years ago, uh, we had people running for Lieutenant, Griffin, or Lieutenant uh, Governor saying, if I win, I'll abolish the position. To people right. now saying, I'm ready to run for lieutenant governor because it's a big position, and I, I, I've done my uh, my best and proven to you I can I can do this position because I've been a I've been a representative, I've been a senator, and you got names like Rapert and Missy Irvin and uh, the, the Treasury Secretary Milligan, uh, his name is out there. That's the three I keep hearing. Are there more out there that want to be lieutenant governor? You know, it's uh, a great question and one I don't have the answer to. I think you're going to see a lot of, uh, look, here's what you need to focus on. Uh, I mean, if you're sort of the average uh, uh, political, you know, uh, uh, viewer here in Arkansas and you want to know what's going to happen, you've got the session that's coming up in 2021, which is going to oh, be yeah. a very, very interesting session. It's the governor's last session. Uh, you're going to have some new leadership in the Senate. Uh, and so... Uh, we're, we need to kind of see what happens there. You're going to be able to see people. You will absolutely know by their actions who's jockeying for a statewide <laughs> office position. Um, and I do think that's where you're, you're going to see sort of the rubber meet the road. You know, when April wraps up and, and uh, I think you will see a slew of announcements uh, for, for different statewide offices. And so, um, that's where I think that will probably fall on the lines of sort of a normal announcement date. You know, it's it's sort of late spring 2021. You start seeing more of those announcements for some of the other offices. Uh, but, you know, who knows? We, we really don't know. There might be something that happens in the session that elevates, uh, you know, a specific member. Um, and, and maybe they get it in their head that they need to run. Um, I don't know. It's going to be uh, it's going to be fascinating. And again, I just go back to the fact that we have such a, a great uh, sort of party structure right now in Arkansas, where we have so many uh, great uh, and qualified candidates for these statewide office offices. And, and I go back to what we said before, Dave. In 2010, we had four Republicans challenge. Uh, four of the seven constitutional officers. That's how low our bench was. We had no bench. That was 2010. You know, fast forward 10 years, and we're we're sitting here trying to figure out all the different names that could run for, for some of these offices. And I think that's a really, really great position to be in as the Republican Party 
Uh, I think, uh, you know, the chairman, Dual Webb, has done a tremendous job. I think there's a lot of people um, that have helped build the party as well, uh, and we're including yourself, Dave. And, uh, and I think that we're in a position now that, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of reaping uh, the benefits of that hard work. So it's fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. But I'd say uh, sit back, relax, and, and watch over the next six to nine months because we're going to see a lot happen here in Arkansas politics. JR, it's been a fast first hour for a Thursday, brother. We got, and we haven't we haven't even talked about everything. We we haven't even talked about who might be running to be uh, the Republican chairman. We haven't even talked about that, and that may be even the biggest position that has to be filled right off the bat to keep uh, the ball rolling. That's right. Yeah, there's a. Uh... <laughs> You're right. There's a lot of things to talk about. And there's the, the attorney general who's going to run to replace Leslie Rutledge. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. So next that we'll week, have right? to. We're going to have to wait until next week. That's exactly right. You have All a right. great Fourth of July, brother. I will see you right. next Thursday. Happy Fourth Day. Thanks. Same to you now. J.R. Davis from the Gilmore Group. Coming up, we're going to talk baseball. Rusty Meeks with us from the Travs. No minor league baseball season. I'm going to cry. I'll wipe my tears and join you back after the news. Six minutes after seven on a Thursday, and uh, we are one day away from, uh, I'm hoping for most of you, an extra day off this weekend as uh, you get Friday off for uh, the 4th of July since it falls on a Saturday. I know that's the way it will be here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. I will not be here live tomorrow, but I will have a show on. It'll be a best-of show. Robert Steinbach and Chris Corbett will join me via a, a show that was a couple of weeks ago that was uh, I have to tell you, very good, and you don't want to miss it. If you've not heard it, you'll want to listen to it. And then uh, we'll finish it up with uh, some special programming uh, for the 4th of July done by Jerry, uh, who does all of our uh, our special programming, at least for one hour, uh, for you know Memorial Day, Thanksgiving, Christmas, that kind of thing, typically with a uh, patriotic theme. And I'm sure he'll have something very patriotic uh, for uh, tomorrow. So we're looking forward to have that. That'll be on at 8 o'clock tomorrow. Now, let me give you one other uh, word of change that's coming because News Talk listeners just don't like change, but change is inevitable in every business. And that means that starting when I come back on uh, next week, on Monday, uh, I will be on live from 6 o'clock in the morning until 8 o'clock. And then a new show will begin here on uh, 101.1 uh, The Answer. But have no fear, the last hour of my show will be broadcast uh, at 6 o'clock in the evening. So as you're going home from work, you can listen to me 
coming to and going from. That's that's what I uh, I was telling everybody. We should promote it that way, to and from. But uh, that's going to be happening starting Monday. So keep that in mind. Now, what that means is we're going to record the last hour. If you're watching on Facebook, you'll be able to watch that last hour in real time. So you got a real good thing going for you if you're uh, joining us on Facebook uh, and you can see what's going on uh, earlier in the day. If you want to hear what's coming up at 6 o'clock, uh, you'll be able to go and listen to the podcast at 101.1 FM, the answer dot com. Uh, Heidi has my show pretty much up and running between 930 and 10 o'clock every morning that has happened that morning. And so you can listen to it early if you'd like. Or you can listen to it at 6 o'clock. There's three different ways definitely to hear it. Uh, you can hear it in real time or you, or basically uh, you can hear it uh, tape delayed. All right. Rusty's with us from the Travs. I, I asked uh, the, the Travs uh, if he could join us because yesterday it was announced by Major League Baseball that they had canceled the minor league baseball season, which means no travelers. And uh, the main reason this has happened is because of the pandemic. And let me turn it over to Rusty. Rusty, it's to say that uh, it's been a strange, strange time that we've uh, been living in is an understatement. But the pandemic really did wreak havoc with minor league baseball. Yeah, it definitely did. You know, first of all, thanks for having us on as always. And yeah, it just, you know, we knew it was probably eventually going to come. I mean, and we get it. We understand that, you know, safety is certainly the most important thing. And with 160 cities in minor league baseball, I mean, that was going to be very, very difficult to, to pull off for this year. But, you know, you, you can always know it's coming. Then when it finally comes, it, it hurts even a little bit different. And, uh, but that yeah, that happened the other day, and we'll uh, we'll be ready to go in 21. Though we're already starting to even plan a little bit for that, and we're already looking forward and being optimistic of, for a 2021 season. Okay, well, so there's some questions that I have, and uh, the first one is, what happens to the players? I mean, you got you got a ton of minor league players that are hoping to make it to the bigs one day. This kind of sets their plans back big time. Uh, what are you guys telling them? I mean, or are you talking to them, or is it the major league teams that are talking to them? No, so it's it's the major league teams, you know, that are that are relaying that information to them. You know, now that we have you know friends in the minor leagues that we'll chat back and forth with. But as far as that information, it comes from the from the big leagues, from the director of player development. And, yeah, I mean, so most teams are still paying their guys for a little bit, for a few more months. Um, some teams you've seen, like the Dodgers and some others, where they're big league players, like David Price, you know, is actually giving a portion of his salary to the minor leaguers. Um, that's not at every team. That's just at a handful of them. Uh, and then they are sending them, like at the end of last week and this week, they literally sent them uh, some off, basically off-season workouts for them to do because with the 60-man rosters that the major leagues have now, you know, it's kind of the the taxi squad, you know, if you will. They, uh, you know, if you didn't make that 60-man roster, you're, you have no season. You have nowhere to play this year. So uh, a lot of guys are going to be, you know, it, 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 for the guys that are older, this could be it. You know, if they if they didn't get a chance to play, because you know, not playing for a whole year is going to really really hurt some of these guys, and it's uh, it's very very tough on them as well. Yeah, people don't understand that, uh, as in any other professional sports, uh, your time at the height 
of your profession or the height of your athletic ability has a lot to do with your age. And uh, a year is a lot of time to take away from a professional athlete. 100%. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a very long time. I mean, they're not facing, you know, that, that live pitching and seeing, you know, the uh, pitchers and, the, you know, heated competition throwing those sliders and breaking balls and things like that. And uh, it's definitely going to be a very interesting year for those guys that are not being able to play. And then it's also affected the draft, as we saw a few weeks ago, you know, where it went to five rounds, um, you know, and so it's just kind of a – it's just a crazy, crazy year. You know, I know for everything, but, but baseball's really just seen a whole bunch of change this year. And then if Major League Baseball plays, you know, they're even doing some more rules there that we've had at the minor league level, like the runner on second base and things like that and extra innings. Yeah, so let, let's talk further. If you're a double-A affiliate like uh, the Travs or you're a triple-A affiliate like, for instance, Oklahoma City or Memphis – uh, you probably are coming back, but all of those other teams underneath that, there's no guarantees right now, are there? There's none at all. I mean, the the rookies, rookie leagues, and the single A leagues, the low A leagues, they're they're uh, you know, Major League Baseball is is wanting to get rid of 42 minor league teams, and there's a whole bunch of different reasons for that, and. It's just, but we have no idea what 42 teams those are. Um, the agreement between Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball ends uh, at the end of September, and so hopefully we'll know something before then or at least around then. But the, there's just a, there's a whole lot of uh, question marks around baseball right now, especially on the minor league level. So it'll be really interesting to see uh, what happens. How much of a uh, fiscal impact do the travelers have on, for instance, North Little Rock or Central Arkansas? Do you? I'm sure you guys put pencil to paper and figure that out. Uh, how much impact, financial impact, do you think that you all bring to the area? I, I think between you know Central Arkansas, I think between us and the arena, you know, being right there next to each other, um, you know, I, I definitely think we we have a big impact on that part of. The state, and especially in the North Little Rock area and Little Rock area, you know, people go to the Little Rock restaurants and come over to the stadium, and you know, and things like that. And so, I think both of us have a, a very large impact there. And um, but you know, we'll we'll be fine. Uh, we're not going anywhere. We haven't furloughed anybody or anything like that. All of our staff is still there. We're still working hard, and you know, we're still coming up with some other events to do. We have a, we're opening a disc golf thing here in a couple of weeks. We're turning our field into a disc golf course, and uh-huh. we'll be doing some other things in the future, and just trying to get clever with some things because we still have this beautiful stadium there. We know still we can still do some things and, and follow you know the governor's guidelines on social distancing, and so we're we're going to continue to do that um, the safest way possible. Okay, so uh, what about, well, when we come back, let me just pick up your train of thought. And I know that there, there are some things that you want to do to the stadium. Are those going to be have to put on, on the back burner for a while or whatever? We'll talk about that when we continue. Rusty Meeks is with us from the Travelers Organization. Yesterday, Major League Baseball announced there would be no minor league baseball season. So uh, that affects the travelers of course and we're seeing what that means for this year and in the next segment we'll talk with rusty about what does that mean for 2021 and then what could be coming in 2022 we're going to look out a little bit because there's a lot of things that are happening on the horizon got more to talk about here on the dave ellswick show don't forget about pi roofing uh they want to be your uh roof 
leak detectives. Uh, they want to come out and make sure that your roof is working 100%. Remember that your roof is the last line of defense you have for your home against the elements, the rain, the wind, the sun, and all the rest. And you want to keep it in uh, good working order to do that. Uh, you just give a call to uh, PI Roofing or visit them online. Uh, call them at 707-3551. That number again, 707 707- 3551 or go online to piroofing.com and you can ask all the questions you can get them involved to come out and walk your roof uh, make sure that it's in good shape look you can sit on the ground look up and you don't see any shingles missing or anything but and you think your roof is all right but then you get up on the roof and you start walking across it and you hit an area where perhaps uh, some of the wood is starting to show its age, and it gets it feels spongy. Uh, it's not doing its job, uh, and uh, you end up with leaks. You might find cracks in some of the product around uh, the different things that you see sticking out of the top of of your roof, and that can let water in as well. And definitely, if you're seeing you know water spots on your ceiling or your wall, you got a problem, you need to get it fixed. And the folks at PI Roofing, and I can speak from experience about this, will take care of your roof and do a fantastic job for you. You talk to them, they can tell you how you can make, when they replace your roof, uh, make it the last roof that you ever have to do on your house. That's PI Roofing, 707-3551, or visit them online, piroofing.com. All right, so Rusty Meeks with us from the Travelers, and we're talking to him that there's not going to be a season this year uh, for minor league baseball. Major league baseball is talking about a 60-game season. That's what they finally came to agreement on. And with all this said, Rusty, I'm going to ask you a question, and if you want to defer it, you can, all right? But i got to ask this question because I've talked about it on the air, and Major League Sports in America, this is not just indicative of of baseball, but it's also indicative of, of basketball, football, uh, and now even soccer is, is starting to become indicative of this. And that is players saying they're not enough because the, uh, the, the clubs aren't sharing the TV revenues and things of that nature. What's your thought? Is greed going to kill professional sports? You know, I certainly, you know, I certainly hope not. You know, I think we would say, you know, I will defer a little bit on that, but I will say, you know, as overall, I mean, greed is all over us, you know, in this country, even outside of sports. But, yeah, I mean, you know, when it's – when you in one of those major league sports, you're just in the prime spotlight. Everyone's going to see absolutely everything that goes on, and you can just really see it from both sides, from the major league level. And, um, you know, I, I was just – disappointed in it from a sense of just our game i love baseball i love it i thought they had a really good chance to to do something you know good and and get a decision together and um you know it just dragged out a little longer than i think all our fans were hoping it would but uh at least they eventually got something on paper i guess yeah it's going to be it's i'm just telling you it's going to be interesting because as you got the pandemic facing you right now uh, you come back, what, uh, next year? Is it the Players Association and uh, Major League Baseball? Don't, don't negotiations begin on a new contract? 
They do, yeah. I mean, they'll start negotiating a new contract. And, you know, I read the same things everyone else does in, in the news about just, you know, between uh, MLB commissioner and the MLB PPA and just their relationship, you know, may not be the best. And so I'm, I'm hoping that they can figure that out and, and get a good relationship together to where this can be a smooth uh, you know, agreement next year is what we're, you know, certainly hoping for. And I hope that they can, they can work that out and, and, and work it out, you know, a little bit more smooth maybe than this last one was. Okay. So before I get to my remaining questions, this question last year was last year. I'm not talking about 2020, I'm talking about 2019 was one of the best seasons for minor league baseball. Over 40 million fans went through the turnstiles of minor league parks across the nation this year, none. What's what's the future sit for you guys? What what can you tell my listeners? What about season ticket holders and and your advertisers and all the rest? Because there's a whole lot more that revolves around uh, Dickie Stevens Park than in, than just uh, you know the uh, the players. Yeah, so I mean, we'll we're taking care of everybody, all of our season ticket holders, and we'll do a bunch of different things for the people that are, uh, you know, single game tickets. We will refund those completely, and then you know, and our our sponsors we're working with on rolling over things to twenty one, and the same with the season ticket holders. So we'll we'll certainly, you know, if you've got tickets, uh, you can certainly call us, and we'll we'll make sure and, and take care of you. But yeah, it was it was a lot of fans that went through last year and not have that this year you know minor league baseball was growing big time and it is continuing to grow and there's a lot of different reasons for that but uh hopefully we'll be back strong in 21 that's the plan well you're doing in the minor leagues what the major league baseball teams used to do in their cities and had you know they were very well connected with their cities and doing things uh, with the fans in their cities they they kind of got a little bit away from that, but Major League Baseball, like at Wrigley Field, for instance, since I'm a Cub fan, uh, they would have those summer cl- uh, concerts at Wrigley Field. They've built Wrigleyville uh, around the, the, the baseball stadium. There's just so many more things to do. And I know with the, the Travelers, the same kind of thought process and uh, and if it's not going on with North Little Rock and their city council, I know they want to build that Argenta district, but you got something special right there in a diamond that nine guys go out and play, uh, what, 70 games during the summer? Makes sense that, uh, you know, you build some restaurants a little bit closer to there. Wouldn't you agree? I would completely agree. Yeah, I think you just make it. You, you see it in the major league cities that they've got, you know, like in St. Louis and different places, like you said in Wrigley, all these places all around the stadium. And well, Bush is the same way. Exactly, and I think that's that's their goal. And um, there are a bunch of minor league cities that are doing that as well. And so it, it hey, we love it. I mean, it, I think it'll it'll help every everybody there, and we'll be one big family. And I certainly hope that that, that happens. Yeah, I mean, do you guys sit down with the city fathers and talk about this stuff? Yeah, I mean, it'll come up in just conversations when we're talking about some other things and, you know, uh, field work, maintenance work, stuff like that. We'll talk about other things going on. Uh, so they, they certainly keep us informed about, you know, what's coming down the pipeline. Okay, so when can people start buying their season tickets for next year? Well, you know, with <laughs> I, wish, I wish we could do it soon, you know. With this negotiation thing, we may not have a schedule. We don't have a 21 schedule yet. We okay. normally, this is when we vote on our schedule usually every year is at the All-Star game. 
we all get together at the all-star game and we vote on the next year's schedule. Well, we didn't have an all-star game this year and we have no schedule because of the PBA agreement. Uh, so we, we have no idea when we may have a schedule. It, it could be late fall uh, before we even have one. So as soon as we have a schedule, though, we'll get it out, and then that's when we'll be able to start. We can go ahead and do season tickets, but single-game tickets and promotions and things like that, um, we won't be able to do until we get that schedule. Yeah, and Lance needs to know that schedule, so he needs to go, you know, you know, eat more pizza or eat more chicken exactly. and all of that stuff. <laughs> Put, you, I'm gonna put your that. forehead on the on the baseball bat. I love that part of it, man. I really do. Yeah, I that's, like I mean, that's part of the game. It's it's a, it's in fun environment, and then always say there's so much stuff going on, and then we've got a baseball game going on as well. Yeah, and and the and the I got to tell you that the baseball the, the quality over the last few years has been coming up. I believe. I mean, it's it's looking better. I mean, you guys are uh, are with the Mariners, and uh, they are. Uh, they're an up-and-coming organization, I believe. Oh, I, I completely agree. And like you said, the talent the talent at the AA level, once you get to the AA level, you can play in the major leagues. You know, I mean, that's what all the pro scouts and all those guys will tell you. Once you get to AA, you, you can do it. And so when you you got some really good talent at the AA level, and, that, and that's what's so great about minor league baseball. And, you know, I've talked about this before. You can just you can watch major league guys right there and talk to them after the game before they get to the major leagues like Mike Trout's of the world and people like that yeah. and that's that's just what's so awesome about it yeah it's it's great all right well I appreciate you giving me time Rusty it's always a, a pleasure to have you on uh, I'll be talking to you soon because we'll be wanting to talk to you about 2021 and 2022 and hopefully in 2022 there won't be a strike uh, we all remember what happened to Major League Baseball for a while after the last strike they had. And uh, we don't have another McGuire and Sosa sitting in the wings ready to take, uh, you know, pr- performance-enhancing uh, drugs and, and ready to cork their bats for Major League Baseball. All right. All right. Appreciate you, Rusty. Have a great one. All yes, right. Dr- Rusty Meeks from the Travs. Good to have him on the show. Sounds like they're, pre- they're preparing uh, for next year. Just keep listening here. As soon as I know anything, I'll make sure you know about it as well because I believe the Travs are a a great part of uh, what we do here in central Arkansas. Here's Rush. Man, I got to tell you what, big news just breaking, and uh, it's very, very, very good news. And this dealing uh, with uh, the jobs report that comes out each Thursday and uh, everybody was predicting about uh, 3.1 million new jobs being added in June. Well, they just came in 4.8, almost 5 million jobs have been added to the economy over the last uh, 30 days. This is a, a fantastic, fantastic uh report uh, for the economy. Uh, Just to give you an idea of why it's so fantastic, let's let's put it this way. Two months ago, in May, unemployment in the United States was at 16%. Highest it had been since the Great Depression. Within two months now, the unemployment number is down to 11%. As of today, at 11%. I think they said unemployment uh, 
benefits, uh, people asking for them, a little, just a little over a million people. That's uh, that's drastically down from what we saw saw in March, April, May. Now every now it's starting to, you know, we bottom out. We're now climbing up. Now if we can just get everybody not to be afraid. Uh, we'll, we'll do a good job of uh, getting this economy uh, going again. And it's important to get the economy going again. We can't shut it back down. These states that are shutting it back down, uh, they're making, I believe, a, a very, very bad uh, mistake. First of all, everybody admits that there is more testing going on, a lot more testing. And let me tell you, when more testing happens, more people are going to be found that uh, have had the COVID-19 virus. And because of that, the, the number of cases is going to go up. But as the number of cases go up and, and that are out there, here's what else is happening. And, and here's what the media is not reporting on. The number, the, the percentage of deaths related to the people who have COVID has dropped significantly and continues to drop. And they'll tell you that, you know, they're only testing 6 to 10 percent of uh, the people. And if you extrapolate out for those numbers of the people who have the disease versus the people who are dying from disease, that number continues to, to tumble. The mortality rate continues to tumble. Now, we're going to talk, I'm going to talk specifically about this in the next hour. Uh, Paul Cosma is going to be on. That is, uh, he's a former CEO and COO of a, a large uh, telecompany uh, in Florida. And uh, it's, I know this guy. He's my, he's my little brother from college, okay? And he knows numbers. And he can sit down and he'll, he's going to talk about that COVID-19 is not as bad as some people are thinking it is. Uh, there are a lot of people that are hiding uh, out in their homes and, and things. And I'm not saying that you should go out and get in a big crowd and, uh, you know, uh, breathe in everybody else's sneezes and coughs. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that that's not most of our lifestyles anyway. I mean, yeah, you, you, I would think before I would go to a maybe a, a large sporting event where I was sitting with 75,000 people, because I happen to be 67 years old and have type 2 diabetes. I think about that. But if I know, let's just say that, let's say I was 30, 35, and my chances of getting the disease are lowered because I'm, I'm younger and I'm healthy, and, uh, you know, I'm just a normal guy doing my thing, uh, and if I get... Uh, you know, COVID-19, it's going to be like getting maybe a, for some people, it would be like just getting a case of sniffles. For other people, it could be uh, getting a really bad case of, of a flu. Well, you know, I'll take the chance on that and to be to be there with the crowd, so to speak. Right now, I won't take that chance. And And to be honest, after I got over 50, I didn't like getting in those big crowds anywhere because people 
people uh, irritate me sometimes when when they're pushing and shoving and and you got the you know you got the, the the drunks at times that are in the crowd and they slosh beer on you and things of that nature it used to be that didn't bother me that much now that kind of stuff kind of bothers me i'm an old heidi i'm an old curmudgeon now that's that's my problem i don't i don't want to be bothered by a a whole lot of, of people like that. And so I stay at home and, and sit on the 50-yard line or get on the field through the use of cameras and watch the game that way. Baseball, basketball, football, whatever. <coughs> Although I do like still to go out to a, a baseball game because crowds at baseball games typically, you know, they're not like South Korean baseball games where they got cheerleaders and stuff. they they're kind of laid back. You talk with your friends. You watch the game. You have a brat. You have a beer. You have a great time. Uh, and and I, unfortunately, I, we can't really do that this year. Yeah, can't. <laughs> unfortunately. Can't do next, it. Next year, though. Next year, yeah. we're going to come back in a big way. I know it. Yeah, it means i got to eat two brats or three brats and drink a, a, more exactly. than one beer. Exactly. Have two things of cotton candy, <laughs> two things of popcorn. you got to double yeah. it up. I have to do that. But, uh, you know, but like I said, I am kind of a, a crudgemudgeon as far as crap. Now, I there's a couple of groups that have come in that they had concerts before the COVID-19 broke out that I thought, well, I'd like to go see them again in concert. And then I thought, no, nah, I'm going to get in the crowd. And I yeah, got to fight the traffic people. and I got to get in, you know, got to get through the door and then mm-hmm. make you stand outside. I mean, I wanted to go see Joan Jett and Hart the last time they were here, but that's the reason it turned me away. I've been, I've seen oh. them both several times. Yeah. I, I know Joan and I would have liked to, you know, seen them in, in concert again, but I didn't want to get in the crowd. I just didn't want to do it anymore. Understandable. I mean, just, just the way, yeah. just the way I am. I'm, I'm, I'm not a partier like I was back in the seventies. In the seventies, I was a partier. I, I really was, but not now. And now you're All on right. your porch, being like, "Get off my grass, kid." Nah, I don't do that. I <laughs> no, really I know don't you don't. Do that. I know you don't. I mean, I, I, um, yeah, I want kids to have fun. I'd, re- I'd be happy to see kids running across my grass anymore. They're, I don't see them running across <laughs> the grass because they're in a bedroom with the lights out in front of a TV screen playing a video game. Right. You know, yeah. they kind of come over to my house and I'll break out the wiffle ball bats and the wiffle balls and <laughs> come on, let's play some wiffle ball baseball i'd love doing oh, that heck that's, yeah that's good stuff but yeah kids just don't do that any, anymore like they yeah. used to with that all with all that said uh, you know there's just a lot of things to keep our eyes on and and this is good news today you know almost five million jobs were created in the last month here in the country if we can keep that up uh we're going to be in really good shape here as, as this, year, this year comes to a, con, uh, a control. I'll, I'll be interested to see what the economy is, uh, is growing at uh, this, uh, this next quarter. That's going to be the third quarter. It's going to be important. All right, quarter till uh, 7. Got to get a break in. Let's do that. Got news. Got, uh, I think we got uh, traffic and weather for you, so we want to give that to you as well. And then I'll return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I've got some audio I'd like to play for for you the democrats have have not reached their lows yet they're trying but they haven't reached the bottom of the barrel yet we'll talk about that when we get back here on uh, 101.1 fm the answer Two hundred eighty-seven thousand six hundred nineteen dollars smackaroos greenbacks however you want to look at it that's not a small number uh, for most of us that talk to each other on this show that 
is a large number. And uh, what would you do with an extra $287,619 in retirement? Well, I can tell you. I'm not retired yet. I'm, I'm a lot closer to it than I was when I started my career. And uh, I would do a lot with that. That would let me uh, travel with, uh, with Linda uh, and go several places that I'd like to take her to. For instance, I'd like to take her to Guam in the Philippines, where I was during the, my time in the military, so she could, uh, could see the beauty of those islands. They are absolutely fantastic. Uh, but right now, that's just a, a dream out there because I don't have $287,619. And know that that's how much a Little Rock couple could save in taxes uh, with their IRA and 401Ks thanks to the tax planning strategies from David Lucas Financial. And here, right here in Little Rock, I've known David for years. And David uh, is the man when it comes to retirement. Learn exactly how much money you could save with a free retirement tax analysis. I mean, you don't know where you're going if you don't have any idea where you're going. You know what I'm saying? You want to know what's, what's possible in the future so you can make some plans. And if you've saved more than $250,000, so you've made some plans, but it's not how much money you save, it's how you can use that money in retirement, be one of the first 10 callers to schedule your free analysis now at 501-222-3315. Do you have an IRA or a 401k? You probably do. Then learn how much money in taxes you could save by calling 501-222-3315. 501-222-3315. Investment advisory services offered through David Lucas Financial and Arkansas Registered Investment Advisor. All right, back with you. 7.51 in the morning. If you got to be to work by 8, you got nine minutes to get there. If you're more than a couple of miles away, you might want to put the pedal to the metal a little bit and get around that car in front of you that's going uh, a lot slower. You just might want to do that. I was talking during the break with Heidi, uh, and there's a lot of conversation that goes on in this show uh, during the breaks with guests and, and with my producer, Heidi, who, by the way, I, I, I can't brag on her enough. She does a great, great job. Um, most people who end up being radio producers have to be, you know, uh, groomed and taught, and you got to explain a lot of things to them. You know, Heidi has not been that way. Uh, she has a, an innate uh, ability uh, to do things uh, that typically I got to teach to people. For instance, yesterday uh, she came across the story about. Uh, the uh, the travelers not having uh, a baseball season this year on the minor league baseball uh, season and uh, she went out and got the story and printed it up and and brought it to me and then uh, went on a couple sports sites and and found uh, an article by ESPN uh, which uh, you know I used as a basis for a lot of the questions that I talked to Rusty Meeks. Uh, in the first half hour of this hour. And uh, she did that on her own. Uh, she didn't have to have me say, uh, hey, look, I just saw a story pop up because I can't watch my phone 
24-7. And it's about minor league baseball. Get me the stories you can find on the tramps. No, she did that on her own. And, and Heidi, I'm just saying, you do a great job. You do a fine job. Well, don't and, thank uh, me, Dave. Thank the, uh, the four-year degree that I got from Arkansas State University in radio and TV. So. Right. Well, <laughs> you, did, you, did a good, you did a good job. And uh, you, learned, you learned well from your classes. And you've taken what you learned in your classes and you brought it to a real working environment. And I'm, I'm really happy that you're my producer. You do a good job. Thank you very much. Thank you. I believe in, in giving, uh, you know, high praise where high praise is due. And right now you've got high praise coming to you. Now, you could really screw it up, so don't, uh, don't give True. up now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Hey, I, I told you this joke. I'm going to tell it to everybody else, too. They say there's a spike in COVID-19 cases because there's been a spike in, uh, in testing. And uh, here's the key. If they would have if they start giving a lot more IQ tests, there'd be a spike in the number of morons. Uh, identified as, <laughs> as as well. I kind of I kind of like that. Yeah. But uh, let's let's get back and talk about the economy real quick. That's what we do on this show. We try to break things down so that you can grab hold of it and understand some things that are happening. We found out today the job reports came out. Almost five million jobs uh, were uh, created in June. Uh, the unemployment rate has dropped from near 16% now to about 11.1%. That is a huge drop uh, over two months. Now, let's see if the media reports on that as well as they reported on the economy tanking a few months ago. Remember every month when the jobs report came out or the unemployment report? Another three million people have applied for unemployment, blah, 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 blah. And it went on and on and on, doom and gloom. Uh, let's see if we get sunshine and happiness now from the media. I think you know how the media will deal with this. It will be just an aside that they say, or they will report it this way. And this is why I don't give much credence to the media anymore. And, and look, I got my, you know, I spent my time in college getting my journalism and radio TV degrees, plus a, a political science minor and a philosophy minor. The bottom line is uh, journalism is not like I was taught uh, back in the, in the 70s. In fact, in the uh, late 60s, because I, uh, I was working journalism in my high school with the high school newspaper and things of that nature. I wrote for the local paper uh, in the community. I, I, I grew up with the Hammond Times and, and the Calumet Express, both of them. But, uh, you know, I look at that, and, I, and, and the, what the report today is, Okay, they, they created almost 5 million jobs, and, uh, and unemployment fell here. However, get ready for that. They're going to say however or but. And once you say but or however, you're telling people, forget about what I just told you. Listen to what I'm going to tell you now. And there will be some kind of negativity that they will promote. I just heard uh, uh, Steve Moore on Fox talking about the economy. And he mentioned something that I hadn't heard before. See, I've got, got Fox on in my living room, and I can hear it sitting here in the dining room. And he made the statement that the economy 
is really moving along very, very well. And uh, it is growing, and not only is it growing, as we found out with these additional jobs being added, that there is literally no inflation. That's huge. That, uh, that, that keeps us away from people saying, watch, interest rates are going to skyrocket, or, you know, we can't go any lower on interest, so we're going to have, you know, deinflation and stuff like that. Neither one, inflation or deinflation, are good, for the most part, for the economy. So right now, the economy is healthy, very healthy. Now, if we can just get people where they believe that they can get out and go back to work, they will. And uh, I think a lot of the reason that this hasn't happened is because it's become so politicized. If you look at the states that aren't trying to reopen, they're blue states. And uh, they, see a, they see a little bit of a spike, and now they're looking at shutting their states down again. Well, why is this spike happening? Is it happening because... Uh, people went out and hung out with their families? Maybe a little bit. But i got to believe that if you've got hundreds of thousands of people marching in the street without masks on, screaming and hollering, that they're, you know, and, and their spittle is going over all of everybody, that you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna spread the disease that's going to happen. You don't hear anybody from the left talk about that. You know, protesting good. Opening businesses bad. That's what you hear from the left. All right. I'm going to tell you there's more bad coming from the protesting than ever from businesses opening. Because you go to most businesses and they're following social distancing and everything. I mean, I went, I've gone to a couple of places and ate out over the last uh, couple of weeks. And to be honest, it, it feels weird because you sit down at your table And, uh, you know, the nearest table to you is like 10 feet away. Weird. But they're open, and you should get out there and use them. All right, my old buddy, Paul Cosma, going to join us in the next hour. We're going to talk statistics, and we're not going to lie about them. We'll tell you the truth when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. into the final hour of a Thursday show and the last live hour this week. Next week, best of show, or next or tomorrow, best of show. Uh, Friday show will be uh, Robert Steinbach and Chris Corbett. A couple hours we did together a couple weeks ago, and then we'll follow it up with a special 4th of July hour uh, from Jerry Stewart, and uh, that's always a patriotic time here on the uh, Dave Ellswick Show. And then we come back Monday, and the power panel will be there. I know RD is going to be back. Iverson Jackson will be there. Paul will be there, and Jan Morgan 
will be there as well, and we'll all be knocking around a lot of uh, information on Monday. But have a great – I'll just say it right now in case I forget about it. Have a great weekend this weekend. And remember that John Adams, one of our great founding fathers, made the statement that the 4th of July – should be celebrated with fireworks, music, speeches, and adult beverages. So please have fun on Saturday. But be safe, all right? Be safe. But uh, enjoy the 4th of July. It's a time to be happy that you are in the greatest nation on earth. With that said, uh, today in the final hour, I'm uh, welcoming my little brother back from fraternity, 74 years ago, he and I were going to school, 74, 47 years ago, not 74. Oh, Lord, yeah. Yeah, 40, 47 years ago, we were going to, to college at the same place, Moorhead State University in Moorhead, Kentucky. He's originally from, uh, what, Cherry Hill, New Jersey, if, I'm, if I remember correctly. And I'm from... Actually, uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, Dave. Actually, New Brunswick, New Jersey, which is Rutgers University. Okay, all right. So we won't hold that against you. And, uh, you know, when you say New Jersey and Arkansas, typically what follows is get a rope. Uh, so, uh, yeah, keep keep that in mind as you're on the show today. And I'm originally from outside Chicago, but was raised southern and uh, have been in the south now for years. Uh, in fact, on uh, Labor Day of this year, I'll, I will celebrate my 20th anniversary here in Little Rock. Uh, doing talk. So that's, uh, for me, it's an exciting time coming up uh, for us. But Kaz uh, is here, and I'm gonna, his name is Paul Cosma, but I call him Kaz because he was my little brother, and that's what we called him in fraternity. And uh, he used to wear this fisherman's hat at times, and he had this real funky walk that he used to do. And uh, <laughs> He's, he's just a great guy. He really is. He's a great guy. And uh, he's gone on to be very successful in life. You were a CEO, a COO. You were all over the uh, cell phone business before cell phones were cool, weren't you? Yeah, and uh, prepaid. And when prepaid didn't really exist. And then it, yeah. it took off. So it's been fun. Yeah, you'd, and you've done very well. So figures are important to you. I mean, it, they've always been important to you. You and I would have discussions, and he would be taking some high uh, math class in college, and he says, Dave, i got to show you this. And he says, isn't it wonderful figures? Figures never lie to you. And then I would always remind him that liars figure, but that's okay. That's, that's, <laughs> that's all right. But you you are a figure guy and you've done some figuring about these figures that are coming out about COVID-19. So with that said, I'm going to turn it over to you a little bit, Kaz, and let you tell people some of the things that you've discovered looking at the figures. Hey, Dave, let me ask you a question. Uh, and yeah. thank you for, for that wonderful introduction. Um, you announced this morning that there were 50,000 new cases yesterday. Yeah. Well, how did that make you feel when you saw that number? Oh, if, if, if you just if you if you're not like me and you go, OK, 50,000 is how much a percentage of 350 million, um, you know, that you get scared and people are scared. That being the case. Um, and by I heard on a station in New Jersey that uh, they just said half of those might be wrong. 
you know, testing inaccurate. Mm-hmm. But let's just, for the for the sake of argument, assume it's correct. What I'd like to do, uh, if it's okay, is for your listeners in Arkansas. First of all, I want them not to panic. I actually have good news with uh, good. this data. And what I would suggest to your your followers is get a cup of coffee, get the donut, kick your feet up on the table, call your friends and family, and listen to what is positive news as opposed to negative news. And then at the end, when we're done talking, Dave, I'm not trying to sell. I'm not trying to convince. You, the, the listeners, decide for yourself, do we really have a problem? I don't think we do. So okay. with that, if it's okay with you, Dave, I'd like to start with a, uh, a better understanding. How did we get to where we are to begin with? A brief history with the numbers and then the current numbers. If that's acceptable right. with you, I'll begin. This is, this is why I got you on the air, brother. Do your, do okay. your thing, which you do very well. COVID-19, well, thank you. COVID-19 actually stands for coronavirus disease, and the 19 stands for the year 2019. We've only had three coronavirus-type viruses in the United States, SARS, MERS, and now uh, COVID-19. And what caused the panic initially is really understandable. SARS had a 34% mortality rate. MERS had a uh, 20% mortality rate. And when COVID-19 first came out, the panic was if this is even 10% mortality rate, there's 7.8 billion people in the world. That's potentially 780 million deaths. And what exacerbated the problem was that there were no test kits. There were no uh, uh, to determine if you had the virus. So we were literally running blind. And the only way you could calculate the mortality rate, which is the death rate, uh, is by taking the actual cases, uh, the actual deaths, and you have the deaths divided by the cases. And in the beginning, it was 10%. And that was the problem. So what happened? What happened was the world was in a desperate situation to develop test kits. Remember, no one had them. So you couldn't tell if you had the virus or not, other than if you had the symptoms, uh, coughing, uh, you know, fever, uh, respiratory disease. It's acute respiratory disease. And at that point, you're already in the hospital or seeing a doctor and you're already in a bad situation. Well, the good news was they came out with test kits. Uh, 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 Ganga, uh, Germany was one of the first to actually have test kits that worked. And then London, England, and then China. And what they did was they did random sampling in the areas of the world where, in case Germany, in Germany, where they had a high uh, case rate. And with the random sample, they wanted to determine what was really happening. Um, so, th- so they would test people who had it, who didn't have it, they didn't care. And to the shock of the world, what they found out was the majority of the people already had the virus and recovered and never knew it. And the reason it was shocking is because, do you, uh, Dave, you remember the original pictures when they had the COVID-19, people were suffering, they couldn't breathe, oh, they yeah. were dying in the hospital? 
And and the media told the whole world, this is the way it's going to be. And everyone was fearing for their life that if they caught it, they would have a horrible um, uh, disease, a respiratory disease, uh, where they'd be rushed to the hospital and probably die. And that was what caused the panic. That is why the world started uh, talking about locking everything down. So here's what happened. So the world locked down. They did the testing. And we went from 10%, and then they adjusted it to 5% mortality rate. Now, think about this. 5% mortality rate, if everyone has this virus, is still almost 400 million deaths worldwide. That's a lot of people. Right. But, but what they discovered when they did this testing uh, is that with the antibody testing, there were a lot of people, the majority of the people were called no case. There were cases that, in other words, they never came to a doctor. They never went to the hospital. So they were unknown cases because they, no one knew they had them. They were not recorded. But they did have it, and they survived, and they had the antibodies. And when they finished factoring that in, they realized that the mortality rate that originally was 10% is now 0.5%. percent hmm so put that in perspective, 0.5% means you have a 99.5% of surviving if you have the coronavirus. But the wheels were already in motion. The shutdowns were already happening. Uh, and we're going to talk about that uh, later. Uh, you, you know, the uh, six-foot distancing, the face mask, the lockdowns, all the things that they did trying to prevent a virus that you really can't stop. If God wanted the world to go away with a virus, it would have happened already. This is not the end of the world. This is, at that time, 0.5% mortality rate, very small number. And what happened is, as they did more testing in the United States, uh, they would go to New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, doing all this random testing. They started firming up the numbers even more. So two weeks ago, to put this in perspective, the CDC, which is an important agency uh, to us, right, because it, it, it's what everyone is the standard of, of all this information, announced that the mortality rate is 2.2%. All right, let me, can I stop you there because we're going to have to take a break, number one. But number two, I, rep- I talked about that on the air and I can't and, and my listeners started sharing it and I can't tell you how many people attacked them saying that we were making up bogus numbers. And I literally had to go back, get the, uh, the report from the CDC that I had drawn that from and post it on my Facebook page. And I said, here, read it for yourself. And you can believe it or not believe it. That's up to you. But here is what they're saying. And there's people that are still out there that I see talk about that, and they don't believe it. They think the CDC is lying. We'll talk about it all some more. Uh, Paul Cosma is my guest. He's my former little brother in, uh, in, in fraternity, in college, and you can tell that he turned out a lot better than I did. It's 18 <laughs> minutes after 8 here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show, Thursday edition, last live show of this week. 
Uh, we'll pick it back up on Monday. Best of show tomorrow. Uh, six to eight, uh, Robert Steinbach and uh, Chris Corbett, my two lawyer friends, and we'll talk about decisions made by the Supreme Court recently. And then the final hour of the show, we'll play uh, from Jerry Stewart a uh, Fourth uh, of July special. It'll be a patriotic special uh, for you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. A uh, best of car and uh, truck doctor show on Saturday as well. I'll be back live with you 6 a.m. on Monday with the power panel. But right now, uh, my guest is Paul Cosma. Paul, former CEO, COO uh, for, uh, you know, Paid uh, cellular phones before paid cellular phones were in the new in thing and uh, did very well of it uh, at it in Florida. And uh, numbers are are his friend. They always have been. He is my little brother from fraternity. He was a math major in uh, in college. And I can tell you he was good at it. He made great grades and uh, turned it into a career and has done well at it. And I've got him on today because he wants to talk to you about COVID-19. And with that in mind, let me turn you back over to my little brother. Uh, his name is Paul Cosma. We just call him Cos. Here he is. Thank you, Dave. And, uh, you know, what I also wanted to mention, uh, uh, the 0.2% uh, mortality uh, rate for uh, the coronavirus, is that the key to the testing, why we needed test kits, was because they originally thought uh, COVID-19 was like the Spanish flu. Now, that was back in 1918. But the Spanish flu, over 50 million people died. It was uh, up to 100 million is the worst case estimate. They're still not sure. They had to estimate. It was a 10 to 20 percent mortality rate. And what was unique about the Spanish flu was that it went across all age groups, whether you were young, middle-aged, old, it had the same percentage of death. So it, it didn't favor uh, one over the other. And the fear with the coronavirus in the beginning was exactly that. What if it cut across everything? What do we do? What mm-hmm. we found with the testing, going back to the, uh, when the test kits were available, is that 85% of the people who died were 65 or older. Now, I'm 67, Dave. I know we're about the same age. We are exactly so, the same age. So, uh, yes, how about that? So what that, what that means is when you have a flu, because remember, there's also flu season, the percentage of people who die 65 or older is, guess what, 85%. So now, for the first time, we had a much better understanding that the, uh, the virus really affected people that were older, and people with preconditions, uh, you know, high blood pressure, respiratory issues, uh, diabetes. Uh, but that being the case, the mortality rate is still 0.2%. Now, what's fascinating about that number is there's no vaccine. The flu, they just announced last week. You ever hear of a guy named uh, Tony Fauci? Yeah. Hey, Anthony Okay, he just announced that the mortality rate for the flu this past season is 0.1%. So look at those two numbers. Coronavirus, 0.2%, no vaccine. The flu, 0.1% with a vaccine. They're almost identical. So what do these numbers mean? And that's what gets very fascinating. When you look at 0.2%, 
and you look at the number of deaths in the United States, 130,000, and that number's been relatively flat the last week. If you, if you make that 0.2% of the population and you calculate how many people really had the virus, you know what the number is? It's 65 million. So that means, and this is actually good news to everyone who's listening, that means 65 million people have already had the virus. The majority have already recovered. They have the, the uh, not only did they have the coronavirus, they're immune to it. They have the antibodies. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when you look at it like that, why are we concerned about the cases going up? It's the deaths that matter. And I'm gonna, if you look at the world, the world, 1.8 billion, 517,000 deaths worldwide. That means, and that's 0.2% of the total. That means over 260 million people have already gotten the virus and recovered. We don't know who they are, obviously, because they're unknown cases. They're people because it was so mild. Never came to see a doctor, never went to a hospital. Why? Because they probably couldn't afford it. It costs money to go to a hospital and get tested. How many people out there in Arkansas would go to a doctor if you didn't have to? I wouldn't. Yeah, and I'm with I would. You. And I would. Yeah, I tell my wife I got to be dying before I go to a hospital because I don't like doctors. I don't like hospitals. It's not that I don't like them. I don't like going to them. You know, I don't like going to the dentist. So my point is, most people not. And that's why they're unknown. And, and when you look at the numbers, most of them recover. And 80% are mild. All right, back on the Dave Ellswick Show, letting you know that right now, here where I'm at in Cabot, it is 76 degrees. The real field temperature with the humidity is 87. And we do have a heat advisory in effect until 7 o'clock tonight. Uh, heat, our heat index values are going to be around 105 to 110 uh, today. So uh, if you come to my house and you knock on the door and there's no answer, yell over the back uh, fence because I'm probably laying out by my pool, just so you know, okay, because that's, that's where I go when it gets hot like this. And then when I feel like I'm sizzling, I, I dunk myself in the water and then I get back in. Uh, get back out and let myself warm up again. Our uh, guest today is uh, Paul Cosma. He's in our final hour. He's a, uh, a mathematician. He's a former CEO, COO. He's a former, if I'm not mistaken, a high school math teacher. He did it one time. And uh, he's going over COVID-19 with us. And what do these numbers really mean? And are they are they framing the numbers uh, in a negative way, and we we had to break abruptly uh, in the last uh, segment because Sean, it was the time for his update. So I'm going to let Paul kind of re- encapsulate what he was saying and then pick up again. So Paul, and full disclosure, this guy was my uh, <laughs> he was my little brother in fraternity. All right, and there's stories behind that, but we won't go into those in this show today uh, uh, on Thursday. With that said, back over to you, Paul. And we definitely won't talk about the kegs. But um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> we were major bootleggers back then, dude. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> going back to uh, why is it important that eighty-five percent, knowing eighty-five percent of the people are over sixty-five, 
it's not that you want people to die. But when you look at the numbers now, like, for example, the USA has 130,000 reported deaths. 110,000 are 65 or older. What does that mean? Now, think about this. It means less than 20,000 Americans have died from the coronavirus. We have literally shut down America for 20,000 people. Is that good business? Does yeah. it even make sense? That's not moral, world, in fact. Well, well, when I, I'm going to do Arkansas separately. To get, apparently, you guys are live, so you have obviously good leadership. They thought this out well. Uh, but uh, t- look at the world right now. 517,000 deaths worldwide. 439,000 are 65 or older. We shut down the world for 76,000 deaths. It's not, these are people that could actually work. Right. And my point is, when you're looking at numbers, we should be breaking them up, breaking them apart. I'm going to give you a good example. I'm going to skip to uh, some parts, Dave. I want to get to the face mask, but I'm going to skip to the current cases. Okay, you, go. Just to, just to give you an idea how you can manipulate data or make data look like it's not. 50,000 new cases yesterday, right? That's what they said. What they didn't say is you have to break that number apart. The cases four months ago were cases that you went to a hospital or a doctor because you thought you were dying and you paid for the cases. The cases today are free. This is what Donald Trump tried to say, but I wish he could do it better. I I think he needs to do a fireside chat and speak to the people directly. So if you have 50,000 cases, how many of those cases are where people rushed to the hospital and doctor because they thought they had to. They thought they were dying. And if you look at just those numbers of the case, I'm willing to bet that the cases hospital doctor reported have dropped dramatically. The free cases are the people who would never pay if they had to because you know what it costs? It costs like 100 bucks if you had to pay for it, the testing. And if they think they're sick, they're encouraged to go in. And it's free. In Florida, they had a a line of three, four-hour waiting line just to get the free cases. So, of course, they're going to go up because everyone's getting tested because it doesn't cost anything. And, by the way, we want them to get tested. What we should do more of, you're testing them for do they have the virus. Don't test for the antibodies. To do an antibody test in the state of Florida, for example, you have to schedule a meeting, an appointment. You do a phone interview because there's more to it. You do a blood test. Everyone should be antibody tested. It would tell us the profile of America, how many people really had the virus and recovered. So you could throw big numbers out about cases. But I'm telling you, Arkansas, it doesn't matter because the deaths are not going up. Of course the cases are going to go up. It's free. So that's an example of manipulating. Well, I I, I hate to use the word manipulating. That's an example of giving a number, but not explaining exactly what's in the number. There you go. I would imagine, Dave, and I would imagine that 95% of the people who are being tested are less than 65. And you know why? Because it's summertime. People are having a good time. They're meeting. They're dating. They're kissing. 
you know, there's only three ways you can get the coronavirus. In your nose, in your mouth, and uh, in your nose, your mouth, uh, and... Uh, your eyes. Your eyes. Thank you. I couldn't think of the eyes. Thanks, Dave. And it's very hard to get the virus. You have to actually rub it in your body to get it. You don't just get a virus because you're walking down the street. And if people don't realize that, you know, the best way to prevent getting the virus, it's not the face mask. Because face masks were never designed for viruses. They were designed for air pollution. And the holes in the face mask, the pores, are larger than the coronavirus. So the coronavirus can easily get inside a face mask. Sure. So, so the question, and once it does, if you're breathing on it, you're creating a warm, moist environment for the virus to grow, and you're going you're gonna to give it to yourself. So in the beginning, CDC did not recommend, the, and who? They didn't recommend the face mask. There was no scientific study ever done saying they work for a virus, only mm-hmm. for air pollution. So the right. question is, why do we wear face masks? And they changed their mind recently, saying that, well, if you sneeze, the sneeze will be contained in the face mask. Remember that, Dave? I don't know if you've yep. seen that or not. Yes, I and have. The average, and the average sneeze is six feet. That's why we have six-foot dens- uh, distancing. Six feet is the length of a small car. And that's what they, and the reason for the six feet is because of the sneeze. Now, here's the funny part, Dave. The uh, coronavirus symptoms, you know what is not a symptom of the coronavirus? Sneezing. Sneezing. (laughs) It's not a symptom. If you're sneezing, Arkansas, you probably don't have the coronavirus. You might have a cold, you might have a flu, but you don't have the coronavirus. So why are we, why did we do six feet? Now, coughing. You can contain a cough, and that, but a cough goes, what, one foot, maybe two feet? Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in the beginning, uh, the WHO and the CDC, they fought over three feet versus six feet. There's no scientific study whatsoever saying six feet is better than five feet, is better than four feet, is better than three feet. They just went with that number. So my point is, here's an example. I bet there's people laughing. You see all these people wearing face masks. And the face masks really don't protect you. Staying six feet apart in a, in a supermarket, but the six feet don't really protect you. And the lockdowns. Let's talk about the lockdowns for a second. Lockdowns have, uh, the purpose was, if everyone's locked down, we kill the virus. Virus is dead, no longer spreads. Do you realize in the United States when they did the lockdown, if that were true, if that premise were true, it applies to all other diseases. If everything should stop or slow down dramatically, okay, why am I mentioning that? Because this year was the worst flu season in the last 20 years. If the lockdown worked, the flu season should have been the best. Yeah. It spread. Think about that. We actually have evidence showing that even though we did a lockdown, other diseases spread and flourished. So that means if you're looking at the numbers, the lockdown really wasn't that effective. You know, the only thing that worked, Dave, of all the things, washing your hands. What a big surprise, right. huh? Well, I'll tell you what's surprising is God 
well, if you if you if you believe in a, a you know God and I do and and the Bible and what's in it, it says in the Bible to wash your hands. Cleanliness yep. is the next to godliness, right? They are telling you in the Bible what to do: wash your hands. You don't have to use uh, disinfectants. I use a foam soap. Six months later, I'm not sick. So my point is, of all the things that they've recommended, the only one that has scientific proof that works is washing your hands. So what does that leave us? It leaves us with the majority of the people are 65 or older who die. Let them stay home. And I'm talking about me. Let it be their choice if they want to go out or not. Not the working class. They're hardly affected. Yep, why I would agree. You, why, would, why would you shut down a nation for really <clears throat> not that many deaths? And I hate to say that, but you know, you know how many abortions we've had so far this year? You want to talk about deaths? Yeah, a lot. 20, 21 million. You know how many births there have been in the world? 70 million. 22% of the babies are dying. How come that's not shocking? Oh, because it's you a woman's look it choice. <laughs> well, don't well, don't see, get me now, started, now brother. Now, you, now you get, you're getting away from talking about, about the uh, COVID-19 and start talking okay. about how ridiculous it is to be worried about COVID-19 when we're wantonly slaughtering unborn people. So I digress. So I'm going to go back. <laughs> I'm going to go, but you're right. But, but, but my only point was uh, you, you can't use the numbers as the reason. 0.2%. If everyone in the world got the uh, coronavirus with a 0.2% mortality rate, the number of people that would die is not 100 million or 200 million like they originally projected, which panicked everyone. It's 15 million. And the percent of people that get a virus historically is at the most Spanish flu, 33 percent, a third. It's not 100 percent. So you take a third of 15 million and at the worst, you're going to get five million deaths. That's if if we did nothing and just let it spread. The hurting you were talking about the other day. Yeah. So my my point is, when you look at these numbers and you look at how easy it is or, 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 or how how. If you look at your low death rate, so chances are you're going to be just fine, and you look at why they shut down everything, I can't even explain it. I'm going to take Arkansas as an example. All right. Before, before, okay, hold on. Before you do that, since we're shifting gears a little bit, we're going to specifically come down to my state. Let's take a break, our final break for the show today. It's uh, about, I'm um, looking at it, about 11 minutes before the top of the hour. We'll be back with my little brother, Paul Cosma. And I've already had a bunch of people hit me, Paul, saying, man, this guy makes sense. Of course he does. He's my little brother. we got more coming your way in a moment here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. Back with you, final eight minutes of the show. Paul Cosma, my guest, and Paul is my little brother from fraternity. Uh, we were very good friends. Uh, as you listen to him, you can kind of figure out why. He was a math major. I was a journalism, uh, political science uh, major, minor kind of guy. And it's it's interesting to listen to him and, and uh, 
having him on my show to see what we did in college now coming together uh, in our lives when we're both uh, 67 years old. It just, it just kind of blows my mind a little bit. But with that said, uh, Paul Roosevelt, back uh, during the time that this country was going through terrible times with the, with the uh, Depression and all the rest, uh, did the fireside chats. And one of the things that he is so well known for is a, is a saying of, uh, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. And let's pick up with that because that's exactly where we're at now in our country. And um, Roosevelt was uh, so right. And uh, by the way, Dave, before I forget, if you know any politician that I could talk to, I've been trying to get to Trump and Pence to just tell them, just explain it to the people like Roosevelt did. Now, I can't uh-huh. get to them, obviously. But the thing is, I think that's important because if you explain it the right way where people don't panic, I think that's so important. And let the people decide uh, if they want to do something or not. Now, that being the case, let's go to Arkansas. Back to the numbers. Thank you. Arkansas has – I've actually had 10 pages of notes, and I'm cutting to the end, so I scrapped the notes. Arkansas has a gross domestic uh, domestic product – of $119 billion a year. Did you know that? Yep, I did. I talk about it. Uh, yeah, you would know. Of course, but of course. <laughs> <laughs> but, of course. Um, but that translates to $330 million a day. So if, remember they had that three-month lockdown? I don't know if Arkansas actually went to three months. Well, we... We didn't never have a government mandated lockdown. It was kind of like you, if, if you're... If you're they put some caveats around if you were going to be open and so a lot of people just went ahead and closed okay so whoever your governor is he's done a fantastic job because he's trying to balance business with people's safety and he was looking and that's what that's what everyone should be doing you don't say there's a lot of cases i'm shutting everything down what you say is i have to be open the governor is the president and ceo of the state he makes all the decisions he's also running a business you can't shut down all the jobs just to shut them down because you go out of business. Now, That's right. or here, here's an example of Arkansas. You know how many people died in Arkansas since January 1st? It's 270. Correct. You know how many cases have been reported? 20,000. But if you take the 0.2% factor and reverse engineer the number, there's at least 135,000 people in Arkansas that already had the virus and recovered. So my point is, if you were shut down for nine months, I mean, I'm sorry, for three months, you would lose $7 billion in revenue for 270 people. And my only point is, the world has panicked so much that they're not looking at the numbers and determining does it even make sense? You can't just say we're going to save everyone's life. Everyone's going to die. That's that, that's the, say- that's the point I want to make here real quickly. That's the disease that has one hundred percent mortality, and it's called death. Everybody dies. Thank you very much. So, how much time do I have left? Because I, I'm going to go. I, I right- got three. I got three minutes for you. Okay, what I want to do is I want to close to uh, Arkansas uh, and, 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 and say this. America was founded on uh, the right to be free. 
And yep. yes, July 4th is coming up. And we fought for that right. They fought for that right, even if they had to die because it was so important to him. And I want to quote uh, Patrick Henry, who said, I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. And what I say to the state of Arkansas, as for me, that's how I feel about the coronavirus. I'm going out there. I just went to Florida and back. And if I die, I die. But I don't think with a 99.8% success rate, that's going to happen. I want my freedom. And I hope more of America feels that way as well. Thank I'm you, with Dave. you. I'm with you, Paul. That's that's good. You gave us a lot of good news today. I hope people have been listening. And to my listeners who have been listening in, remember that this will be on the podcast uh, by about 10 o'clock. And you can go and download this. Share this with all your friends. Share this across your Facebook, across your Instagram, across everything. Let's get it out there. And I'm looking here. Elizabeth is texting me, and she says, I will be pulling this hour video to push out a few times on our social to Arkansas message on Facebook. And, yes, that's okay, Elizabeth. And I'm really proud of my little brother here. He, He has broken this down in such a way it's easily understood by everybody. And just know that uh, that 0.2% is an important number. You know, there's three, let's say there's, you got three and a half million people in the state of Arkansas. You, you're good at this, just on your feet. What's two and a half percent of three and a half million, Paul? Two and a half percent. Oh, you caught me. It, it's, <laughs> uh, I, 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 I know 10% is 30,000. Yeah. Okay, so half thousand. Okay, half of that so be one hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah, so you're so that's you're, you're, you're below one hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, you're going to be down around seventy five thousand. Seventy, and that's if everybody in the state got it, and not everybody in the state's going to get it. It's not and that that's kind the of disease. Fear people have they're sold. Everyone's going to get it. No, they're not. Yeah, come on, give me yeah. a break. I love. Now that sounded like that sounded like my little brother. Ah, come on, give me a break. I heard that a lot when I was growing up. Got to love it. I've written, Paul, I've written a lot of articles because of this. Because people do not think it out, They're, and and they get afraid, scared too easily. You don't need to. Dave, you sure? Thank you so you much. Share, for having you me. share them with me. We'll share them with our folks on my Facebook. I'm out of here, brother. Have a great. Fourth uh, of July, and I'll talk you to you too. on the other side. I'll talk to you at 6 a.m. on Monday here on the Dave Ellswick Show.